welcome to the Max 6 Community Connections radio show and podcast with your host, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. Max 6 builds better communities where people and businesses thrive. We are broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and we'll be shining a light on the incredible stories of businesses we work with and how they are serving our broader community. And here is this week's Community Connection. On today's show, we're talking with Kelly Green, the Chief Operations Officer for the SciTech Institute, and Edward Marin, a broker for Asuria. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. So first question, I guess, just tell me a little bit about yourselves. Where'd you grow up? How'd you get from there to where you're sitting right now? Sure, I'll go first. So hi, everybody. Kelly Green, currently the Chief Operations Officer of SciTech Institute, formerly known as Arizona Technology Council Foundation. Yes, that's a mouthful. But before I actually landed here at Max 6 in a desk space, which now I'm in an office, which is pretty cool, I served in the Army over 20 years, and I came from a very small town in western New York. So I was a little farm girl, grew up on not milking cows, but definitely putting in the hay for our beef cows. So I traveled the world with the Army and then came here to Arizona, retired, taught sixth grade math in Tolleson, then somehow, by chance, bumped into Dr. Jeremy Babender, and now I'm on this incredible journey with the SciTech Institute. Very cool. I'll have questions about that for sure. <laughs> Good. Um, well, actually, I'm a native Arizonan. What? You're was, like a uh, unicorn. I was born in uh, up in the White Mountains. And then uh, when I was three, my parents uh, grew up in the Globe Miami area. And so that's where I pretty much grew up. Went to Arizona State, graduated from there. And then um, I've been pretty much in financial services most of my adult life. Um, I lived in the Valley for roughly about 25 years. Um, then I got a position with Chase Bank up in uh, Bullhead City, Arizona, up in the northwest part, where I was up there for about eight years. And then about five years or so ago, I moved back to Globe. Very cool. Well, welcome to where you're sitting right now. We're all, uh, I'm born and uh, mostly raised in Arizona as well. So uh, we got a couple of natives anyways. That's pretty cool. I mean, I as an outsider looking in, right, I, I used to spend my summers here. My parents were divorced and, you know, everybody always kind of jokes about the dry heat. But I tell everybody from back home, it is way better than nine months of snow. So, you know, you can, you know, joke when it's a hundred and what heat advisory for the last three days. But uh, I will take it over the shoveling snow for sure. I lived in Canada for four years as a kid. And we would live in Canada for the winters and come to Phoenix for the summers, <laughs> which was ridiculous and obviously backwards. But that's how it worked with, uh, was, you know, my dad's job and following him around. And when you're a kid, you find things to do. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was a, a very stupid thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but you stayed. So that's that's cool. Yeah. Love it here. So I guess let's start with you, Kelly. The... Uh, the experience that you had in the Army, thank you for your service, and and uh, I've heard a little bit about it, but how much does that uh, frame what you're doing now and how you work with uh, the SciTech Institute and the kids that you work with, and even prior to this with uh, teaching sixth grade math? I mean, how much of that comes into it and influences it? Yeah, so... It's kind of ironic the way it happened. I have two older sisters that also joined. So it was kind of instilled that, okay, I'm going to join the army and, you know, see the world because I came from a very small town. 
coming into this role as chief operations officer, the Army gave me a lot of structure. There's everything you do from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed and even what you're sleeping in in the military that sets a standard. And so when I actually took on this role at SciTech, it was just for the Arizona Chief Science Officers Program. And I was running the program with over 300 students, you know, over 115 schools that were participating in this leadership um, experience. And it was really empowering to watch and help train these 6th through 12th graders become confident with themselves and become these leaders. And from the Army, of course, I took that training as well after, you know, going through leadership academies and NCO training courses and traveling around and, of course, being in combat three times. There's something about helping other people fail but fail fast, <laughs> fail forward, fail often, and fail smart. Don't do that again, you know? So, what the Army really gave to me, not only the confidence as a young woman, it was very empowering to be a machine gunner when women weren't supposed to be in combat, but it also gave me the confidence that if you do the same, if you build a structure, it's easier to accomplish your goals if you know where you're headed. And so coming to SciTech Institute, really getting the organization on that type of path has been exciting because we are growing. No, it's funny what you said in... in- implementing structure and and uh, helping young kids to fail fast and learn from that. Adults and, too. <laughs> and exactly. That's no different than uh, a day around Max 6. Right. <laughs> uh, what about yourself, Edward? Uh, uh, you said that you've been in uh, financial institution industry. Um, any anything that you pulled from there is it really similar from what you've done in the past or yeah i mean it was really mainly sales um i did a lot of investments um especially when i was with chase i was the financial advisor um now i uh, with assura uh, we really more um insurance life insurance but we we do investments as well just that wasn't that's really not our main focus okay very very cool We've alluded to these two organizations that you're both with. I'd like to hear more, call it an elevator pitch or whatever. Tell me about the SciTech Institute and Ashura. Sure. So SciTech Institute is a nonprofit organization that focuses on the STEM connections in Arizona and beyond. So we're really the catalyst and the connector piece of you have an idea and we know a few people or these few people have an idea and would like to have an audience. So what the Sci- what our team really does is organize those opportunities. And, you know, for 10 years now, we're headed into the 10th year of the Arizona SciTech Festival, which is a celebration of STEM across the entire state. And what is STEM? A lot of people might not actually know what the acronym is. So not only are we building awareness, but we're educating on the opportunities here in Arizona, especially in advanced manufacturing. So it's really fun to see, you know, oh, I have this idea. I don't know how to do it. And then not only from that structure that I had from the military, but my teacher background of, okay, so what's first, next, then finally, what's the end result has been really you know, helped build the team, not only their confidence, but the ability to connect with those companies, industry partners, STEM professionals, educators, parents now, (laughs) right? Teaching virtual um, and really, you know, get them into the community and talking, what could we do together? And is it all K-12, the students that you work with, or what's the age? No, we actually are into the um, after, you know, higher ed, but we also are looking into additional programs for 
changing your career. So a lot of people at the 25-year mark are like, well, I thought I wanted to do this job, but it's become a job. I'd rather have a career. So really understanding that um, cybersecurity here in Arizona plethora of jobs available. And, you know, even if you're 35, you can retrain. And that's that's the cool part about STEM is there are so many access points and pathways. And Arizona is leading in the tech industry. So the idea that, you know, we have Nikola Trucks coming and we have Microsoft moving here, we had Zoom move here. All of these companies need workers. So building that pathway and allowing not only those K-12 students but even those 25, 35, even 45, because we all know retirement seems to get farther and farther away. <laughs> cool. Uh, and what about Assura? Um, we're a large insurance marketing organization, um, which in simple terms, we're really a, a large independent brokerage firm. And what I mean by that is we have access to about 80 different insurance companies um, that we work with. That way we can kind of shop around um, depending on what people are looking for and try and get the, the, the best deal for them. So what are some of the different types of products, life insurance products that you work with? Yeah, you know, um, well, there's, I mean, there's all different types and stuff. Um, our main focus is mortgage protection, which in, in simple terms, a life insurance policy so that if the husband or the wife died, the mortgage would be paid off for the family. So that way they, they, they don't lose the home. So in, in, as, in as simple terms as possible. It's interesting is you, the two of you do very different things, mm -hmm. uh, seemingly. But what I'm hearing is uh, you're giving people agency and opportunity, right? You are giving peace of mind to somebody who these things happen in life. And, and here I've got this product that can help serve you. Kelly, you're talking about uh, regardless of whatever path I'm on or have been on in life, I can do whatever I want because technology is out there and cool and I can learn it if I want to. And I mean, really, at the end of the day, that's what you guys are doing. I think both of you, uh, it's very similar, although in very different ways. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I might have to talk to you about my mortgage insurance now, <laughs> but um, <laughs> the idea that we're both serving the community and really offering better options for our community members. I think the idea that there's circles, right? You have your five close friends and then you have, you know, your acquaintances. But what I hear Ashura is doing is really kind of being that go between that connector between the maybe it's a little out of their reach or maybe even comfort zone to talk to big insurance. And then, you know, being able to explain it in layman's terms. That's important for a lot of people who don't really understand what could happen. And a lot of people don't necessarily prepare. Another thing the military teaches you, yet you have to do that like the day you show up. Like, here's your will. And I know you don't have anything, but fill it out. So I think it's pretty important to have those, you know, connections and somebody who's trustworthy so that you could actually depend on them if, if things go wrong. So Kelly, I heard you talk a little bit about the uh, the festival that that you guys put on every year. Yeah, uh, it looks like was this going to be the tenth uh, year? Tenth year, it's crazy. I mean, I've only been with the program. I've only been with SciTech now, going on to oh my gosh, almost three years. But we'll say two and a half. And Dr. Babinder 
came from San Diego. He was doing the San Diego Festival. He was invited back here by Arizona State University and, you know, talked with Steve Zalestra from the Arizona Tech Council and created the Arizona SciTech Festival. And from there, it spins off into additional smaller festivals like Casa Grande has a festival. Um, Even in Sonora, they have the Sonora SciTech Festival, which is pretty cool, that cross-border connection. We have a lot of alliance with the Arizona Commerce Authority and really highlighting, again, what the opportunities are here in Arizona, not just Maricopa, right, but really all around like Freeport, McMoran, and all of their mining here in Arizona. And Helping people understand that you might want to be a drone pilot someday wasn't an option when I was a child. But if you want to be a drone pilot and you want to work at Freeport, you might be helping assist with the AI of what the earth looks like within the mine. And the festival is really the opportunity for communities and counties and the whole state to kind of take a look at what do we have available and what do we want to celebrate. So it's really big party. This year is going to be a little different. We are definitely planning a virtual festival. We're talking with one of our large sponsors, Cox, and the University of Arizona um, Medical Campus downtown because Connect to STEM is our kickoff. And it is still going to be our kickoff. We usually do our ribbon cutting ceremony there. And... Um, we're talking about a drive-through event on January 30th where people can drive through the campus, maybe downtown Phoenix, um, and also this year, first time ever in Tucson. So we're going to have this dual component, kind of like those drive-through graduations, which I can't even imagine. Yeah, but that would have been awful. Oh, I mean, it's, oh, I can't even imagine. And to all of you teaching kindergartners, <laughs> bless your heart. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we're looking at fun ways to keep people safe, but also get out and about and then have the virtual component, right? Maybe watch a, a surgery watch, interact with these surgeons and or STEM professionals. So there's a variety of ways we're really trying to be creative. Our STEM summit is coming up September 30th to kind of get everybody thinking about, hey, it's coming. (laughs) It's going to be virtual. What do we want to do? If there's options to get um, people together, we would like to do so safely. But the goal is celebrate STEM virtually this year. So... I've got a question for both of you. And I've been to a number of your events, Kelly, and the energy that's around is these these kids are, uh, I mean, they're having fun just learning stuff and seeing cool experiments going on. And yeah. the vendors that are showing up have, you know, live animals and, you know, cool visual ways to show what they're doing. If you're not able to do some of that right now, are you finding ways to creatively overcome some of these obstacles that we're presented with? And it it sounds like, you know, the the drive through, there's ways to do some of it. But what has it looked like? What has the impact been on both of you guys, uh, you know, of COVID right now? Yeah, you know, that's really impacted us a lot. Um, everything was in person, you know, prior to COVID. Now, of course, you know, people are leery and understandable, especially um, a lot of the older people that we meet with. So we've been using Zoom. Um, you can actually do a presentation on Zoom um, or even just a phone appointment where you just call them and talk to them on the phone. Some people, you just kind of keep your distance. You can still meet with them in person. Some people, like a lady I met with in Tucson yesterday, I, I wore a mask. So you have to, you had to adjust. 
Yeah. Sure. sure. I think for me, it's definitely a little bit of a bummer, right? I love human interaction and I thrive on the energy that you're talking about at these big events. And not only for the students, we have specific events for our chief science officers, but also for those festival events. You're talking 10,000 people at the biomedical campus, downtown Phoenix, all wondering about STEM, you know, going through this huge inflatable um, colon or going in and putting on scrubs and pretending that they're a surgeon and doing, uh, working with the um, mannequins and things. So there's definitely a component that's going to be missing. However, we're going to keep this virtual opportunity available for moving forward. Because imagine if you're up in Navajo Nation and you cannot drive the four hours to the event, or maybe you're in Cochise County and Wilcox and you're like, man, I wish I could go, but I don't, I, I'm an eighth grader. I don't drive. And my parents said I have to do my chores later. So the idea that the virtual component kind of opens up the doors because what we've noticed with our chief science officers, we've actually hosted international calls where we've had students on from Oregon, Pennsylvania, Kenya, Mexico, Florida. I mean, what a cool opportunity, a, a new version of pen pals, right? Like they would have never actually probably interacted with each other because we're still in the you know young parts of the program. Eventually, we want to have a CSO international conference here at ASU, but how many people do you know in Kenya, right? And then you're looking at them on Zoom and saying, hey, and now they've met each other five, six, seven times and they've become virtual friends, which is, is pretty powerful. I mean, that brings up another thing, which is everything we talk about to do with this pandemic is the negative impacts that it's having. And certainly uh, there are. Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, yeah. uh, people getting sick and, and all of this, but People losing their jobs. Yeah, the economic job, impact. But that's hours an, cut and stuff too. The, yeah, we see a lot of that. That's an incredibly positive impact though that you're talking about, Kelly, is... <laughs> I try to I, see the sunshine. Right? No, I, I mean, I'm, I'm curious if either, like both of you have seen ways where this has introduced, I mean, Zoom, mm -hmm. where if I can't meet with someone, but how to use it where... I wouldn't have the opportunity to meet with someone as well. I mean, it's it seems like there's things that are coming out of this that... The platform, I don't know if you use Zoom before, but the platforms have tremendously grown themselves. So Zoom itself has not only, you know, added features and the abilities when you're controlling a meeting, but there's also um, advantages of knowing other platforms and getting people to actually click a link or connect faster because now I'm not going to lie. I'm sure a lot of people listening <laughs> are a little zoomed out, right? But the idea that I literally can be in one spot and jump from one meeting with Mexico, click a button and then jump with a meeting with Oregon. And holy cow, I didn't have to fly anywhere or drive anywhere. Now I miss that. I totally miss you know, my travel for my job. But the power of what we're able to do, it's almost intensified my work because now I have so much more to do because all I have to do is click a button versus ah, I'm out of the office. I'm on a plane. So yeah, I think they're, I'm sure with you at Ashura, it's a little bit more, maybe some people are a little bit more at ease of more comfortable talking about their finances when they're not so close or within proximity. Cause some people maybe have, you know, that. Yeah. I think um, my experience is people are more comfortable because they see you ah. and they, you know, they can, they can, they see you in person. And I don't know, it just seems in terms of success, yeah. in person, we, we do much better yeah. than Zoom or phone appointments. <laughs> There's something that came up about uh, 
the energy that's there in different ways has just come up of being in person in a meeting with somebody or... Well, right here and right now, right, right? I right, ask Karen, right. I'm like, do I have to click on the Zoom or do I get to come upstairs? And she's I, I like, get to upstairs. see people. This is amazing. Uh, yeah. And my dog, he's in the office. <laughs> so with less of that, whether it's the energy you get from one of these events or an in-person face-to-face meeting, I'm curious about this. I've been thinking about this in the last number of weeks because there's this impact that I'm seeing out there sort of amorphously described by various people of, uh, sometimes it's just so hard to get motivated or it's, you know, I'm tired of Zoom. And so, and I'm, or, you know, if someone's not coming into our space, I'm working from home in the same office and it's driving me crazy. Have you guys found ways to stay motivated, stay positive, stay energized through this when we aren't able to have some of that in person, what we're doing right now, feeding off each other energy? Yeah, it's actually helped me. What I do is I set up the phone appointments or Zoom appointments like one or two days. And on those particular days, I stay home. And the other times I'm I'm traveling all over. So it's actually, it's kind of nice being at home versus being on the road all the time. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's the ability to be able to do it, but not have to do it is exactly. definitely yeah. the, where it's at. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that we have to recognize that some people don't have that luxury. And I think... What the pandemic has done for our organization is really forced in a positive way to adhere to the structures. I've been, you know, really, we've been working on the EOS um, Entrepreneurial Operating System Program, and we were gaining traction, to say one of their words. But the idea that not everybody was completely on board, the leadership team that's been working on it, and especially myself as the integrator, really wanting everybody to come on board with that structure when we had when we were not necessarily forced but asked to go home and work in maybe 15 days putting those structures of we will meet and we will do this and it'll be this set time structuring our days similar to yours of you will come on Tuesday that's the leadership team meeting it helped advance those you know organizational structures that I've been striving to achieve so the idea that while, yes, it had an impact because, of course, you know, we had, you know, some impacts to our staffing and some changes. If there's not an in-person event, we don't necessarily have the need for that in-person event support. So that was hard. But for the terms of the organizational growth and the opportunities that are going to come from our stronger structure, I think not only is my team more prepared, but I'm more prepared to set aside those days like you were talking about. You know, this day you will be able to, you know, have your meetings for CSO International. On this day, you will be able to focus on ecosystem development. We have the STEM community lunchtime conversations every other Thursday now. And wow, we have 100 people from all over, you know, mostly Arizona, but from all over jumping on the call and talking about just the STEM community. And that has been pretty powerful, seeing people interact on different topics. And, you know, again, being that connector, it's really what we're, what we're all about. Yeah, I've seen, it's, it's been a common thing that this has forced everybody, uh, generality, but everybody to take a step back and just slow down for a second and say, mm-hmm. what was I doing? And was it the right things I was doing? Why was I doing them so quickly if, I w- if I'm not even sure that these are the right things I was working on? Absolutely. And to 
whether it's implement new systems or uh, just really look at everything that we're that we're working on and be more effective. Uh, having a little bit of a slowdown, it seems like for the most part, feels like things are speeding back up. Oh my goodness! Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> exponentially. There's pros and cons to that, but uh, no, it's uh, you know with our team, uh, yeah, we we spent about two months from home uh, in the beginning of this and incredibly effective for the first month. I can speak for myself. And then it just left to my own devices. Uh, I didn't have that military uh, structure in place. And if you don't have that structure in place, like showing up to an office and it's just the day keeps going, you know, I I could be wearing whatever I want from the waist down, let alone, you know, am I uh, doing the right things I should be doing all day? And so I think it's uh, it's it's helped me to recognize even if I'm in an office, how do I continue to have these things front of mind where I'm not just being productive because I have a list of to-dos to get done, but let's not go back into the tornado of craziness that can happen too easily to us and and uh, figure out how to uh, self-impose without a COVID going the next time. Uh, take a step back and just say, all right, how do I do this more effectively so that I can actually do the most important work? Because uh, when it's imposed upon me, we'll have to figure that out. That's- I think efficiency was is a key word there, right? There were definitely some questions of why did we do it that way? Is it more efficient if make decisions and then move forward? And I also found that finding my way back to the office and making sure I had my structure of get up, get going, get fully dressed, (laughs) uh, shower, and get your butt to the office has really helped because the idea that some people are a little, are struggling with when to turn on and turn off the computer, I find myself sometimes, I forgot to eat lunch. And I think it's really important that we note that for everybody who's listening and our community members to really take good care of mental health because you can find yourself in a tornado without knowing you're in the tornado because you don't know, you don't, you're not taking care of yourselves. And I see it with a lot of individuals that, yes, you want to check off all those to do's on your list, but have you, you know, sat down and just (laughs) take a moment. And I think, you know, that's, something else that came out from the pandemic is awareness of, you know, how important it is to take care of yourselves. One of, uh, one of the few times I've ever been like injured myself pretty good, uh, was, let's say I was 17 or so playing hockey and I got hit from behind and I just remember flying through the air and it's one of those times where everything slows down and I'm like noticing myself and I'm thinking as I'm falling, how did this happen? And what you just said of, you're living in the tornado without recognizing you're in the tornado. How do we give ourselves the opportunity to even ask that question? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I take great pride in the community that we have here at Max 6. And it's uh, between all the companies here and what they're doing and the cool things they're doing for each other and the community. But I worry about that too and how easy it is to just... (sighs) head down, butt up and just work until uh, you don't realize you've been in the tornado for so long and you're burnt out or whatever that looks like. And so it's something that, you know, we're starting to focus on more in this uh, holistic health of a individual and not just, you know, physical health. And we've got a gym and and not just uh, 
organizational health and being productive, but what does it look like for mental health and all these? I mean, it's just, it continues to be more and more obvious how important that is, where they all play a role in making someone more productive, more physically right. healthy, more emotionally, more mentally healthy. Well, I can say being here at Max 6, you know, I had never been in a community space this way. Obviously, the Army is very structured and then being in my own classroom, right? You, you, It is your domain. So coming to this collaborative workspace has been really exciting for me because like I said, we were at a bank of desks. We had access to the gym. We had access to the meeting rooms. So if you haven't been to Max 6, you should totally come check it out. But the idea of we grew at Max 6 because of that culture. And you allowed our organization to ebb and flow and change and decide. And, you know, what are we comfortable with? Even when I moved downstairs into an office and my team members were still upstairs at a desk, it worked for our team as we were growing. And I think what Max 6 has done for our organization is irreplaceable because before I came along, they didn't really have a space. They all worked remotely. And I thought, (laughs) no, we need a space. We need to kind of put a flag in the ground, which was interesting because then we went into the pandemic and it was kind of like, well, we could work remotely, but I do miss that. I I like coming to the office. I like being at Max 6 because of the community, because, you know, even Karen and, you know, being here in the radio station and really just seeing people Plus, I got a dog and everybody's like, oh, your dog's beautiful. And there's something about Chrissy that feeling like you have a friend in your space that no matter what you need, if it's a dry erase board or if it's, you know, cookies from the cabinet, there's something about Max 6 that's really powerful. Chrissy is a great friend until you have to-dos that don't get done. And I experienced (laughs) the wrath of Chrissy today. She's good at holding people accountable, too. I can tell you that. So I'm curious, thank you for the unsolicited commercial for Max 6, but uh, (laughs) I'm curious, both of you guys have a unique experience in our space that you've both worked in two, at least two different spaces, uh, very different in some ways than uh, the last space you were in. So I'm not asking for a commercial about Max 6, but I'm just curious about the process of experience expanding your thought to what, hey, we need a different type of space than what we're using right now. And going from more traditional office space to office in the co-working space, going from our initial co-working space up here to the new more growth stage co-working space downstairs. What's that been like? What's that journey like just from a experience within the company? We've been here since June. So it's just been a couple of months for us. And personally, I come in maybe twice a week because I work from home. Plus, I travel a lot. I didn't really know what to think when we first moved here. We were in the other building across the street um, and we had our own like little office, like you said. But since I've been here, I mean, it's great. I I, I really enjoy it. We got a coffee machine, got an ice machine, got big refrigerator. I mean, we got got everything here, TVs, um, conference rooms. I mean, Everything you could ask for. And all the people, um, I've just been very friendly. I mean, everyone's really kind of welcomed us, uh, made us feel you know, part of part of the, the, the whole. Plus, it's a, it's a huge facility. For yeah. us, you know, the connections, right? Building, when we were in the 
at the desks upstairs in the open collaborative space, everybody would walk by and be like, of course, I was the loudest, but people would walk by and be like, hey, I heard you needed a videographer. Have you talked to Sam over here? And oh, hey, you guys want to rebrand? Talk to Resound. And the idea of, wow, all the people I need to make our business grow is in the same building. And that was pretty cool for you know my growth as taking over operations and really helping grow the organization. When we did... And we realized that not only was I the loudest, but then we started to get bigger and we grew from two tables to four to six to, holy cow, we need two whole banks of tables. We probably should move downstairs. We're getting a little rowdy up here. But um, it became a little bit more professional in the aspect of we now have put our stake in the ground. We have an office. We have a space. The community spaces of meeting spaces are really cool. The trainings that you guys were able to put on about leadership values, really helping business members understand that it's not just a desk, right? There's so much more that you're sharing with us in like the communication survey you just sent out, right? Like understanding how your people communicate. Very important because, you know, not everybody is loud and obnoxious like myself or forward. So making sure you listen to everybody on your team, but also the community lunches, our town halls. I know you probably, I don't know if they're exactly the same as they used to be, but the idea we used to all gather and talk about what's happening and celebrate. Not enough people celebrate success with other people that aren't in their organization. So for us to pull in 20, 30 different organizations in the training room and you go around and say, so what's working? What do you want to celebrate personally or professionally? That's important to feel that community. And I think that's what, you know, is the power of Max 6. I don't think we knew it was going to be this awesome, but I would tell you, I would speak to anybody who wanted to go on a tour of like, no, this is really a great place to grow your business. All right, I'm writing this down. One thirty to one thirty-five, and we have a commercial for Max Six. Let's cut that part and just use. I'm just kidding. Thank you, guys. And I'm, I'm always just curious about what it looks like for. We obviously have the contractual paperwork for what it looks like price per square foot, and you know, here's your space. But right. what does it look like from a company's perspective to be experiencing growth and experiencing? whatever that pain point is that says, hey, I, you know what? I need a different type of space and this would make more sense for me. And sometimes that causes other pain points and sometimes that causes a lot of learning. But, you know, hopefully it causes uh, uh, everything to be moving and just constantly in the right direction at least. And we're heading uh, where we need to be as a business. It's just, it's, it's fascinating to watch. Uh, and it's so different between, you're talking about the other building and the more quiet occupancy and, and here in the, both the co-working spaces with, uh, it's, it's, you know, between an individual person working on something or a team of people and then even to the warehouse where mm-hmm. I know there are really cool things being worked on in these co-working spaces in these buildings, but I can't see it. And when I walk into that warehouse, I can see it, I can hear it, I can smell it often. It's, it's you know, it's such a different experience. It's It's one of the most rewarding parts of being here is just getting to walk around and learn from others of like, what are you a part of this show? What are you guys up to? This is awesome. Cool. Let me I know. think flexibility is key because yeah. like we were, I was looking for, you know, that office space so that we could have, you know, the growth that we needed, but we left 
the group upstairs to continue that collaborative interaction with the community because it was so powerful and, you know, staying part of that and connected because we were one of the first uh, companies to move into the, you know, reworked growth plan downstairs. So it was kind of lonely for some people who had normally, we answer the door for Kieran or, you know, we're, (laughs) we're all at the coffee machine. Like you talked about the cold brew apparently is the best they say. Um, But the idea that we knew we were growing and required that space, but you were flexible, you being max six and saying, you can stay up here until you're comfortable to go down there. We can go test it out. If you don't like it, come back upstairs. And that was pretty powerful as a company saying, well, do we invest in space? Do we invest in another person? And I think it was really nice to be able to have those conversations with you directly and say, no, we really like it. Maybe we need to move everybody downstairs. And then more people started showing up downstairs. And now we have the downstairs community and the upstairs, but you know both and you're part of both. And I think that's, that's pretty cool. Kelly, who would you consider your customers? Is it the businesses? Is it the students? Is it everybody? Is it? It's, we call them stakeholders, but that's also kind of a jargon term. So the idea of collaborators that we don't necessarily sell a widget, so it's hard to say that we have customers, but we definitely have programs specific for certain groups of people. So for our mentorship program, that is definitely for STEM professionals who are looking to get connected and mentor youth. But then the CSO program is definitely K-12 education focused on 6th through 12th grade educators and administrators. But that also includes homeschool, online school. Uh, Maybe it's an organization like the Boys and Girls Club or um, Big Brothers Big Sisters who want a representative as a chief science officer. So there's that. But then we also have our Rural Activation Innovation Network, which is all rural communities of how do they get to understand what the opportunities are in STEM. So we kind of, yes, talk to everybody. We we want everybody to get connected. So if you have an idea, we'd love to hear it and <laughs> call us. <laughs> cool. But Edward, did, what does your perfect clientele look like? Perfect would be probably someone in their 40s, just bought a, a home and have a couple of young children that looking to protect the home, but also maybe looking at um, doing something in terms of saving for the kids or saving for their own retirement, or they may just need some some investment advice. So what are what are some of the different type of retirement plans or things that... It- yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> uh, the, the probably the most popular, the people are familiar with the 401k. That's private companies, companies like American Airlines, McDonald's. Basically, they set it up. You have different investment options. It's like payroll, comes out of your payroll. The nice thing with the 401ks is that a lot of times, too, the company matches, like they'll match 3%, 4%, 5%, whatever. Yes, so thank you, you, you very get much. some <laughs> you get some extra you get some extra money, which is nice. The government employees, federal, city, state, they they do what's called a thrift savings plan, uh four fifty-seven. Um, so that's set up, but the government doesn't doesn't match anything. Uh, and then you have the uh public sector uh, or nonprofits, uh like public schools. They have what we call tax sheltered accounts or 403Bs. Uh, so those are really the main ones in terms of where people work. And then, of course, you have your own individual retirement account, a, a traditional and a, a Roth. 
Very cool. Yeah, those are really the main ones. What, uh, I'm curious what it looks like for each of your organizations and for each of you, if there's any thought that's gone into it in the next year, five years, and, you know, following on the who are your customers, is it more of that and just growing through getting more organizations and and, uh, communities and kids involved with the uh, CSO program and the festivals and uh, getting more clientele to uh, take advantage of these opportunities that are out there, like the 401ks or whatever? What does it look like for the next five years? I think at first our company really focused, like I said, on the the mortgage protection. I mean, that was kind of the, the, the bread and butter um, and I think where we're kind of evolving is, okay, what else can we do for these people uh, besides just sell them a, a life insurance policy? You know, can we help them out in other areas? Um, so, yeah, yeah, trying to trying to expand in terms of not necessarily our customer base, but what we can do for each each customer. Continue to add value exactly. to the current base. Cool. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a better way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> We've been working on, um, if you have read Good to Great, our BHAG, right? And so we went through a lot of, not only with the rebranding to change our name to SciTech Institute, but to um, really understand what is our goal, five, 10 years, even our one and three year plan. So by 2030, we would like to have STEM accessible to all on the planet. And what does that mean, right? That's really <laughs> big, hairy, and audacious. But the idea that in with the pandemic, it's actually helped because now the digital divide is front and center and really showcasing that students that don't have access to broadband or don't have access to a device are not getting the same educational experience to those who have you know, not only Wi-Fi at their home, but their own personal cell phones, their own... Um, laptops access at home. So yes, schools are providing those, but a lot of our collaborators are talking about helping close that digital divide. And we're right there with them of how do we not only put the devices in their hand, but make sure they can get connected. And then, right, as teachers are learning, how do we, you know, help and support quality education virtually? And I'm a huge fan of the idea that there will always be a hybrid model because a lot of students are going to be successful with this new hybrid approach to education. The other thought is, you know, by 2030, the world's going to look a little different. If you think back to when we were children, the idea of a computer was kind of, you know, the first one at NASA was bigger than this room. So the idea that when you pick up your cell phone and it's technically better than the one that they had at NASA, all those years ago, the access to information and connecting with others is definitely going to change in the next year, two years. And I can't even imagine what's going to happen in 10. So you really... Staying connected and being kind of having your thumb on the pulse and being aware. And I I say this mostly to those grandparents who are serving as guardians. And we understand that you might not have grown up with a device in your hand, but paying attention and learning and asking your children to show you or the students, the, the individuals that you're a guardian of, show me how you turn it on, teach me and being vulnerable to try to understand their world is different. They did not walk up hill backwards in snow barefoot. 
you know, to go to class the same way you did. And so if we can educate not only my elders, but people my age, because people, you know, in their 40s are like, oh my gosh, you know, oh, Snapchat. Okay, well, maybe you should know what Snapchat is. (laughs) And I'm not asking you to get an account, but understand that's a very common method of communication. So understanding WhatsApp and like I said, Padlet or all these other applications that students are just clickety, clickety, clicketing. Being in the know is going to help us as an entire globe. You know, these being not necessarily educated. I'm not asking you to be a tech wizard. I am not. But being aware that we all have to, you know, move with the digital shift. And, um, you know, with it comes responsibility and cybersecurity and also um, trust that we're going to be good humans. So yeah, 2030, connect everybody to STEM. Love it. This is uh, another thing I've been thinking about is uh, these things that transcend borders and languages and cultures. And Mm -hmm. and we talked about it on our last show a little bit that music is one of those things. Absolutely. There's a great I, I was talking about this yesterday. I cannot remember for the life of me if it's actually a TED Talk, but there's a great talk anyways that you can find on the internet with uh, Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy guy. <laughs> and he's up there on a panel with these uh, neuroscientists and there he is sitting there and he gets up and he leads this exercise with the whole audience where he's holding a microphone and he sings this note. And if he jumps to the right, the note he sings gets lower. And if he jumps to the left, the note gets higher. And so, okay, we get the pattern here. And he eventually uh, gets the audience to sing an entire song without his mic by jumping back and forth on the stage and saying, it doesn't matter what language we speak, where we came from, everybody just gets that, right? We just spanned a whole octave together by watching somebody move. And I, I see that, you know, other than the literal programs that they're, you know, programming language that things are written with, I see that with the technology too, is yeah. we're very much more literally connected with one another. But these, it doesn't matter where somebody comes from or where, you know, if it's WhatsApp or, or some of these tools, like it's uh, as long as we can grant equal opportunity to use some of this, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible what, uh, what's happening in the world to be able to not literally to be able to connect one-on-one with each other, but also just to have access to this amazing stuff across the globe. Yeah, I agree. And going back to what you said earlier about that in-person connection, because even if you, you know, connect digitally, the moment when you actually meet in person is pretty powerful of like, we share the same likes of music or we've both read the same book or we took a picture of a very similar object and shared it on Instagram. That's one of the, you know, other big communication tools now is Instagram is king. And the idea of there are so many people interacting that probably wouldn't have interacted before. But my favorite is the smile. You can go anywhere in the world. And as long as you actually smile and let it reach your eyes, it doesn't matter what what language you speak. And I have traveled to over 20 different countries. And if you are wearing a smile, more people are willing to engage with you. And I, you know, I'd love to see us, you know, get back to being that good human, you know, the humanity aspect of be friendly. And I, again, that goes back to Max 6. People are friendly here. People want you to succeed. And honestly, that's, that's good for business. Yeah, it's, uh, 
it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think all three of us are in roles in different ways where it is so important to have that like human element to what we do. Uh, that as much as how cool the technology is, we almost need to catch up as human beings to be able to humanize some of this uh, amazing stuff that we're we're doing and creating. I was thinking about it before you said the smile. It's like, I can't wait to be able to shake someone's hand or just <laughs> hug someone. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, uh, that, that was a big, because when we walk in people's homes, that's the very first thing you do is you shake their hand. It's a, now, sometimes you do that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's even yeah. awkward because it's like that weird hug, like, do, yeah. I, yeah. do we yeah. shave? Yeah. Do yeah. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so, I agree. I look forward to that, too. So there's two questions that I definitely want to make sure we have time for. And we ask on every show and they have nothing to do with anything we've talked about or anything that, you know, has to do with anything. So uh, we're keeping track of these answers, though. And uh, the first question is for each of you. What is your favorite book all time? And if it's a different one, what would you recommend? Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. <laughs> we that's should have a, been That's a tough they one. They should have given yeah. this in advance so we I, could have thought about it. <laughs> um I I like to read. Uh, I usually read a, about a book a month. I'm reading right now. It's a it's a sequel to the the Hunger Games the trilogy. I don't know if you guys read that or saw the movies or not, but it's, I can't even remember what the name of it is. But it's really good. I mean, when I first started the Hunger Games, I couldn't wait for the second one to come out, and then of course I couldn't wait for the third one to come out, and then I couldn't wait for the movies to come out. I mean, it was just uh, I, something about it. It just uh, I just. Obviously, the movie's never as good as the book, but the movie was actually pretty good. Those movies were good. That's, yeah. I think I would say Of Mice and Men because it was a turning point when I was in AP English of, wow, I actually really love the language. And, you know, I actually ended up minoring in English and English lit. So I had to take like Brit survey and things that I probably would have never read um, without this AP English and kudos to my teacher as well. And the idea that it wasn't a hard read, right? It's not a high level book. It just was incredibly inspiring and heartbreaking and so many emotions in such a short novel. Um, but for students, I would say A Year Down Yonder for, by Richard Peck is the best book for students who are maybe not sure of what their grandpa who their grandparents really were as children and so taking the time to actually get to know who they are if they're still with you is so important or even asking the generation older than you what were you like when you were 15 and you know what did you do did you ever get into trouble because they have so many stories and i love being a veteran because when i go to the va hospital being a female and i am only in my 40s but i probably look like i'm in my 30s I have a lot of veteran males, you know, from Vietnam era that sit next to me and they want to just know, well, how was your career in the military? First, they're always surprised I stayed over 20. Second, they're surprised I did three combat tours. And then they're like, oh, honey, like they're just, they have so much to share. And I think that's something, you know, the, you know, the native tribes have a lot of oral history and that's so powerful. The Polynesian tribes have, you know, the song, right? And telling stories through movement and dance. And I think something that students and I would encourage all adults to, if you're, if you know somebody a little older, talk to them about what life was before, because it's going to be different. But 
there's so much history and it's rich and it's pretty funny how many of them were knuckleheads when they were younger. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't we all? (laughs) Some of us still are. (laughs) Uh, Thank you guys for at least humoring me with that question. I get personal reward out of that just by, you know, I'm curious what people are into and reading, but it's more um, like just the thought process that goes into it and hearing those things from you. So the question that if Jen was here, she would ask. And so I must ask because she's not here. Um, Tell me something about yourself that other people may not know. Hmm. Well, well, I I don't know. Yeah. Um, So I have a dog and I was not openly against having a dog. I thought it was great for people. Um, But maybe people know this now that, wow. I absolutely love him. And I have become such a smoosh ball about this 74-pound beast that I did not know I was capable of that. Love for another creature and, you know, being older and having experienced tremendous life and really now just investing into my dog has been an incredible, thank you, pandemic experience that I don't think I had any idea. I never I never knew why people... Because you can bring your dog to the office here at Max 6. And people would bring their dogs. I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. And now my dog is sitting in the studio with us because he literally is my best friend. And I never believed in that. And so I guess that's one thing I would tell people is that, yes, <laughs> you, you can love a dog as much as they say. You do have a good looking best friend. <laughs> I grew up in a sports family and, um, of course, being here and stuff, um, I think the thing that people would be surprised is I'm actually a really good cook um, and I really enjoy cooking. I mean, people would think kind of a guy's guy, that's, see, you know, that's in my generation. I mean, a lot of guys cook nowadays, but uh, when I was growing up, that was more of a, a woman's thing. Um, so. Yeah, it's like a selling point nowadays. Like yeah, if, you're, right. if you're a man and you don't cook, <laughs> yeah. no thank you. <laughs> Cool. That's awesome. What's your favorite meal to cook? Um, I, I like fish. I, I can make pretty much anything. I, uh, nice. Thursday, I'm doing ribs. Nice. I love ribs. Yeah, I, I'm Italian, so I grew up with oh, okay. making pasta. Sure. Oh, my goodness. But we also grew up on a beef farm, like I said. So we butchered our cows and our oh, yeah. pigs seasonally. So we grew up with meat in the freezer. I had no idea how expensive it was at the grocery store. And, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, we were rich. We were poor. But we were rich because we had, you know, beef in the in the freezer. So that's really cool because I do not cook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I This is my second week in a row that I get to plug this. So if you go on to our, even though we just talked about all meat, if you go on to our Facebook right now, we are, uh, for the second week in a row, hosting a vegetarian cooking competition. Uh, And it's something we've just started doing because we've been uh, providing these vegetable boxes for the people on our team at Max 6. So we've got a few people that really like to cook and, hey, let's use these things in a creative way and come up with something. Like Chopped. I love that show. It's it's called our Max 6 Chopped competition. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. (laughs) So anybody can participate. And the right for right now, because we're using these vegetable boxes, it's all uh, vegetarian dishes. But no, it's it's something I, I love to cook too, and and I am available to come eat yeah. anytime. <laughs> Karen and I will stop by. Let us know. <laughs> it's just the, the the process and the 
I don't know. It's just bake. You know what I love to do, I guess, is make stuff with my hands. And if that's cooking or using woodworking or whatever it is or music or whatever, it's just, it's different from sitting at a desk and, you know, Absolutely. thinking about stuff or whatever. It's just, yeah, it's more, it's rewarding in a different way. So, uh, Kelly and Edward, um, can you let anyone listening know how they might be able to find you online after the show if they're interested? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so first, org. You can go to our website. You can email me at kgreen, with an E, kgreen, at scitechinstitute.org. But uh, yeah, you can also come visit Max 6. I'll take you on a tour. Cool. Yeah, ours is uh, www.assura.com. That'll tell you about the company. Great. So thank you, Kelly Green and Edward Brin, for being on the show today. What a great conversation. It was fun. And until next time, uh, thank you for being an awesome part of the community. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for listening to the Max 6 Community Connection radio show and podcast with your hosts, Jennifer Burwell and Kyle McIntosh. We are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive and telling the stories of capitalism as a force for good through the businesses that we serve. To be a part of the conversation, join us for a tour of the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, or find us at max6.com.